Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. It's great. It's great to be here, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, You saw a little preview of what we're talking about this morning from the treehouse, which will be um, not next week, but in another week. So we're going every other week. We've been talking about life application, and there were some really nice illustrations there this morning that we'll expand on. Last week, And the week before, we've talked about what we value most, the treasures in our heart, and did some introspection, invited the Lord to search our hearts. And this morning, we're moving on to how we see others. And of course, that's got something to do with our heart, too. All of this that Jesus has been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount has to do with us, in our hearts, and Jesus said, don't judge. We heard that in the Treehouse video, don't judge. So that's it, I'm done. Let's fold up our Bibles, and we can go, right? Because Jesus said, don't judge. It's pretty straightforward. Do not judge. That's it. It's the word of God. It's straight from the mouth of Jesus. It's the gospel, right? That's that's the gospel truth. Do not judge. We're done. Nah, not really. Because there's more to it, right? But some arrive at this conclusion. They arrive at this conclusion, many Christians, and many non-Christians alike, They get to this conclusion. Jesus said, don't judge. It's not allowed. Don't do it ever, ever. And these are just a few examples from some Christians and what they've written about judging. This one says, judging is a no-no. It's reserved for the king of kings and the Lord of lords only. Another, you and I cannot judge each other. Jesus will do that. One's a little bit more detailed. I am a sinner. How could I ever judge anyone else? Judgment should be left to those who are perfect. And another, having been forgiven for every sinful thing that we have done, believers now have no right to judge anyone. Most all of these quotes back up their conclusion with what we just heard from Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge. And outside the church, people latch on to that and repeat it. Uh, This is from some that are uh, not professed Christians. Short phrase, who am I to judge? Another, what right do you have to judge me? Here's the third. Regardless of the reason, We don't have a right to judge anyone. Tolerance is essential in a modern world. You can't say anything about anybody at all, ever. 
So that's the notion in the church. It's the notion outside the church that judging is just plain wrong. It's plain wrong. We shouldn't do it ever. But what is that? What is judging? What is being judgmental? What does it mean? It, it means making a judgment, a discernment, forming an opinion, coming to a conclusion. And especially when we come to a conclusion or we make an opinion about uh, the moral situation of another, uh, about even uh, our own selves or another, this is judging. And because it's making a conclusion or forming an opinion about the behavior or the, the morality of another, then we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't criticize the behavior of another person. We shouldn't come to a conclusion about that. And of course, we have Jesus. We have the word of Jesus. It backs us up. Do not judge. And yes, he did say that. But he said a little bit more, didn't he? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. This is still this Sermon on the Mount that we've been talking about for a couple of months, three months now, where Jesus is talking to a crowd of everyday folk. And he says this, and this is again after he's talked about what we value in our heart and how we treasure things. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So yes, indeed, Jesus did say do not judge. That's for sure. And then not just a little bit more, but significantly more. We've talked about context. We talked about context last week. There's a context around this idea of judging. And if we were to say, well, Jesus said, do not judge, so you can never do it. And I can't judge another person because Jesus said, don't judge. And he's the judge. He'll do that. What are we doing if we say that? We're ignoring the context. We're ignoring the rest of what Jesus said. We're ignoring what goes into it, led into it. We're ignoring what comes out of it. And you know what? That's just a great way to make the Bible say whatever we want it to say. And that's not a good approach to biblical interpretation. We can't ignore what Jesus previously said. We can't ignore what he said after. We should consider it and take it in. But otherwise, we're deliberately misquoting. We're doing what they call selective editing. How many of you have seen that in the media, right? You know, somebody makes a, somebody says something, they say a whole sentence, but on the news it's just a little blip. Now picture Jesus on the news. Do not judge. Yeah, right. Yeah, then everybody, show it all, right? We need to, we need to take it all in, consider the whole context. Let's consider the entirety of the passage because we know that after Jesus said don't judge, he said 
This is the way you will be judged if you judge others in a particular way. The measure you judge, that's how you will be judged. So do not judge. And let's make application here. Do not judge without first looking at yourself, without first judging your own self. And Jesus used a great, a vibrant illustration about first judging yourself before you'd look at another or judge another. And he put this contrast of a speck versus a plank. This is the illustration of a carpenter, isn't it? This is a guy that knew woodwork. He understood sawdust in the eye. He understood what a plank of wood was. He spoke of judgment, something small, a speck, dust, slight, petty, minuscule, like that speck in someone's eye. So think about that image for a minute. If you have a speck of dust in your eye and you don't know it, usually it's that it's that little gunk in the corner of your eye, right? This little gunk that builds up there. A little goop, you got a, you know, hey, you got something there. I've been dealing with, with babies now for the past year. You know, they get a little gunk in there and you got to you know, scratch it out. They don't know it. But if it moves, if that speck moves into your literal eye, you, you feel it. Usually you know it. It's painful just to have a little speck in your eye. So think about that illustration. You would know it. You're pointing out something in someone else. They might already know it. They might be feeling a little bit of pain. I got something in my eye yesterday. Last week I was talking about the birds and how Jesus and the Lord, will, he used that illustration and said, God will take care of the birds well, I told you a number of weeks ago about the woodpeckers that invaded the side of my house back in the fall. They put a hole, they put a number of holes, actually. They're very industrious. Well, they put a pretty big hole, took up a little, they, 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 they took up the living there, and then some other birds came and kicked them out and made a little condo in our wall, and I let them live. I let them live through the winter but yesterday was eviction day. So I got my ladder. I was at the top of my ladder. This is up above the freeze board on the second floor. And, uh, that I needed to square up the hole, put in my patch. I got my little saw standing on my ladder. Got a little dust. You know, ah, you know what? I felt it. Yeah, you can you, you get a little dust in your eye. You'll feel it right away. And then I, I made the hole big enough so I could reach in. They had taken out about yay much insulation, so I was pulling out all the hay and stuff. They really, they built a condo. This is the afternoon. I had beat on the wall. I thought the birds were, and then this bird comes out. Man, I almost <laughs> fell off my ladder. You almost lost the pastor yesterday. God's going to take care of that bird. Yeah, then... Uh, I thought I was pretty good to go, and I'm reaching in for more. The second bird came out. Ah, almost went right in my eye. And the, it, this is, doesn't have anything to do with the illustration, but 
they're industrious. I went downstairs to grab some insulation to pack in there. By the time I came back, they were already rebuilding. I reached in, it comes out again. I was hanging on that time. But it's all to say a little dust in the eye was noticeable. I, I noticed it. If you've ever worked cutting wood, if you're sweating a little bit, yeah, it'll build up and you might not even, you might not even know it. Jesus probably understood that. He worked with wood. And then, so, so think about that. It's dust, right? I, I have a little dust here. It's just, this is sawdust. That's, that's, how, that's how small it is. It's almost invisible. A little, a little bit of that builds up and, in, in the sweat, but he contrasted that, right, with what we saw on the video. He said, what if you had this plank in your eye? But whoever got a plank in their eye, that, that's never going to happen, right? It's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. Jesus gives this image, like, think about this. If you were walking around with, and you would, you'd feel the dust in your eye. You would feel this. You would know it. You obviously know you've got this thing. And it's an unrealistic. It never happened. It's this great exaggeration to make the point. Don't point out this little invisible stuff almost in someone else when you have this glaring and it would be obviously painful situation in your own eye, in your own self. Get it out. Jesus said, take care of it. Because it's caused you to see incorrectly. A couple of things with the eye there. If you had something there, yes, it's going to mess up your vision. It's going to get in the way. Fix the issue. Get yourself right. See clearly. And if you don't, Jesus put it very strongly. You are a hypocrite. If you don't judge yourself first, you're a hypocrite. So don't judge hypocritically. Now, let's think about this dust speck versus plank illustration and apply it to some real life situations. We saw in the video a little, a phone call and immediately you're off and running. Or, or, or let's think about um, oh, gambling for a minute. Oh, maybe, maybe uh, you, you've lost quite a bit because you played the online slots. But hey, you know, in Michigan, they just made sports betting legal, right? So hey, you got yourself a sports book and started there. And well, you're down 500 bucks. What's the big deal, right? You're going to win it back. Right? You're definitely going to get ahead. But then you're, you're there at the gas station. You see your friend from church buy the lottery ticket. Oh, you know, the Bible says, keep your life uh, free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Well, how easy might it be to do something like that? Someone, uh, someone just filed for uh, bankruptcy. And they tell you you're making some foolish investment choices. Yeah, you, you might be like, what are they talking to me for? What's, what? And this is the type of judgment Jesus is warning against. 
hypocritical judgment, and we're probably all familiar with it, and probably from both sides. Remember, too, that when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, it was this crowd of everyday people. But he used this word, he used this word that he typically reserved for the leaders of the faith. He would usually use this word for the Pharisees. And that word is hypocrite. Pretty strong. You hypocrite. We should probably pay attention. Because it says we can all act that way. We can all act hypocritically. Even the, the closest companions of Jesus, the 12, they acted hypocritically from time to time. They judged hypocritically. And the most notorious was the one who betrayed Jesus, Judas Iscariot. He was one of the 12. He was with Jesus. Just a week before Jesus was crucified, he and his followers were at the uh, home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And remember, Lazarus had recently been raised from the dead. They're having a big dinner in honor of Jesus. And suddenly, Mary busted open this very expensive jar of perfume. She began to anoint Jesus' feet. And this is how Judas responded. In John chapter 12, it tells us, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas, he offers up some judgment on Mary, who had just opened up a jar of perfume worth a whole year's wages. Man, could have used that money for the poor. Mary, could have used that money for the poor. But John tells us Judas didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. He was responsible for the group's money, and yet he was pilfering from it. So what did he do? He sought out something that might cover his sin. And how did he go about it? Well, he feigns this outrage. And he, he pours judgment, he heaps judgment on another to cover his own problem. He was pretending to care for the poor, making to believe that he had this generous, uh, outgoing heart, and it was to cover his love of money and his own behavior as a thief. Well, people will think I'm generous. Oh, give that to the poor, Mary. He had this big old plank in his eye, and he wasn't dealing with it. And that's a perfect example of hypocritical judging, and one that we might use in different situations, parallel it to cover our own issues. I'm sure we could think of times where maybe we've behaved similarly to cover our own selves, make ourselves look better to others. But it's wrong. It's wrong to do. And it puts us in the place of being a hypocrite. That word that Jesus most often reserved for the Pharisees. So before offering that unsolicited advice, before coming to a conclusion about another, before you tell someone they've had a moral failure, 
Check for the plank. Examine yourself in the same light that you'd examine someone else. Don't make such judgments when you have maybe the same fault in your life, but you know, even magnified many more times. It's being a hypocrite, and that's the imagery uh, that Jesus used with this dust, nearly unseen versus something that's painfully obvious. How we judge others, it has a lot more to do with us and our own hearts than it has to do with that other person. Jesus said, get rid of that plank, and then you'll see clearly You'll see clearly. He didn't stop. There wasn't a period after get rid of the plank and you'll see clearly. No, he continued. You'll see clearly to remove that speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus, he didn't condemn all judgment, did he? He didn't say, do not judge, period, end of story. No one can ever do it. No, no, he said, see clearly, then you can Get that speck out of your brother's eye. You, you can help them. Judging is a no-no. It's reserved for the king of kings only. No, no. Jesus said, you can help your brother. So let's, let's receive that. And if we must help our brother, if we're going to do that, let's judge rightly. Judge rightly. If we're going to form an opinion, come to a conclusion, make a judgment, it's not wrong. It's not prohibited by Jesus. But let's do it the way he would have us to do it. And that's the whole point of Jesus saying, get that plank out. Get rid of that big, huge problem you have. You're not judging rightly. You're being a hypocrite. So get your vision clear. Deal with your issues. And then, then you can help another. And that's what it's about. No, judging isn't just to condemn. No, no, no. It's to help someone. You can help someone. If I got that little gunk, thank you for pointing it out. Thank you for helping me get this, this little goop out before it becomes a serious problem, before it becomes a plank in your brother's eye, right? We can help. Jesus would have us judge rightly. There's an example in John's gospel that outlines uh, this. And it's an example where Jesus was teaching. He was in the temple. It was during the festival of the Passover. And the people, so the people were there. There's the, the temple is full at this time of the year in Jerusalem. Lots of people. But they weren't being very nice to Jesus as he was teaching. And Jesus said, y'all keep the law, law of Moses, right? What does the law tell you to do? It says, circumcise your son on the eighth day. Well, what happens if the eighth day falls on a Sabbath day? What do you do? You circumcise your son. Well, Jesus was, in essence, telling them, hey, when two laws collide, you make a judgment. You make a judgment and you decide which one is the greater law. And Jesus had made the same judgment on the Sabbath day when it came to healing a man. He healed the man. And to those listening to him, he had broken the Sabbath law. But he saw the love and compassion 
to heal a person on the Sabbath day as the higher law. And so about all of this, Jesus said, this is John chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So Jesus was judged for healing a man on the Sabbath day. The people were hypocrites. They were judging him hypocritically because they would have broken the Sabbath law too for another reason. To get their son circumcised. And you can go back to the, uh, the Old Testament to help a, a person who's Beast of burden fell in a ditch. There were reasons to break the Sabbath law about work. But Jesus didn't tell them, don't judge. No, he said, judge correctly, judge rightly. And that's what we're called to do. Judge rightly. And, and also know who we judge. Know who it is that we are, uh, we might be pointing the finger at or calling out. Know who you judge. What do I mean by that? In Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, who did Jesus say had a speck in his eye? He said, your brother. Your brother. He said it three times. Your brother, your brother, your brother. We're to judge rightly, and we're also to know who it is that we're judging. Because if it's not our brother... We may go about it differently. We should go about it differently. See, and other passages of Scripture confirm that. When the church in the city of Corinth was turning a blind eye to sin in the church and serious sin in the church, the man who was sinning was to be judged. And Paul the apostle explained that. He wrote a letter to the church in Corinth and he said, Because that man's a professed Christian, you need to hold him accountable. You need to hold him accountable by the by the standard for Christians, the standard of the church. He's a professed Christian. Hold him to account. Judge the man. But he said, don't use the same standard for those who are outside the church. And, and this is what Paul wrote. This is somewhat the conclusion in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So judge the brother. Judge the brother in the church because of his sin. Because he knew better. He said he, he walks by the word of God. This is what he's professed. He needs to be kept to account. And in the uh, example in the church in Corinth, it was a person who was continuing in sin. Paul said, expel the wicked person from among you. Judge him. Put him out. But those outside the church, no, don't judge them like that. No, Paul would later write in that same letter, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of winning others to Jesus Christ, he said, I'll become all things to all people. What do I need to do that someone would come to Christ it wasn't going to hold the world to the standard 
that he was living by when they hadn't come to believe on Jesus, when they hadn't received that word as any standard that they would live by. And see, Paul was following the example of Jesus. Consider this incident, again, from the Gospel of John. It's where Jesus, he was put on the spot to render judgment. And I give you uh, the entire narrative. It's John chapter 8, the opening about two people who were caught in the act of adultery. It says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Then the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The scribes, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they brought this woman to Jesus. And he, he knew his accusers were hypocrites. They're putting him on the spot. And they quote the Old Testament. They quote the law of Moses. But there's some problems with, with the way they cite the scripture. Hey, he took it out of context. You know, they, we, can all, we can all make the scripture say what we want. Well, this woman was caught in adultery. Law says to stone her. Hey, last time I checked... If you catch someone in adultery, there's got to be two people there. It's just, hey, it's just the way it works. So, yeah, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, you're to put both of them to death. It was a capital crime for both. So it, it would seem the hypocrites conveniently forgot to bring uh, the man. Yeah, where's the man? If you're caught in the act, there's two there. No man. Hypocrites. But Jesus handled the situation by writing in the dirt. We don't know what he was writing. We have no idea what he wrote in the dirt. Perhaps he wrote, where's the man? I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. Whatever he wrote, the accusers left. One at a time, older ones first. So they were all gone. And then what did Jesus do? He kindly confronts the woman. He didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her as Paul advised judging. Expel her. That's not what he did. And it was a similar sin. In the church of Corinth, it was sexual sin. Jesus didn't say, you're out of here. No, he said, leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. 
He wasn't like the hypocrites who were trying to cover the sin of a man. He didn't use the sin as an opportunity to exalt himself and to humiliate her. No, what he, he did is he, he wanted to win her to repentance. He wanted to win this soul. Know who it is you're calling out, who you're pointing at, who you're judging. If it's a brother or a sister and they need that speck removed, you, we can use the word of God. We can use the, the standard. We can hold them to account. We can talk to them kindly. But for someone who needs Jesus, someone who needs to come to salvation, the standard they haven't embraced yet, they might not even understand. Approach them as Jesus did with love and with compassion, with this spirit to urge them on to repentance. Know who it is who you're pointing a finger at. Inside the church, yeah, we have the standard. Specifically, the, the word of God speaks specifically to us Christians many, many times. Those outside the church, yes, there are things in the word for them too. Let's follow the, the lead of our Lord and our Savior compassionately, kindly, to use the word that offers eternal life. The word that offers a way out of the pit. The, the, the word of God that, that is life and light. The word that speaks to why Jesus gave his life up for someone. To win them over to, to repenting, to realizing their sin. Not saying you're expelled. the cross and all that it means. I want to close in prayer and I want us all just to think about how we look at others. Now think about how easy it would be if we got that phone call like we saw in the video. Man, and we're just right on. Oh yeah, they got that, they got that junk in their eye. Do we have to deal with an eye disease? I've had this eye disease. I've had it from time to time. I have to deal with it. Get this thing out. We need to eliminate any hypocrisy. Maybe we've done things like Judas to gloss over our sin, make ourselves look better, point out someone else. It really feels good sometimes to, oh, they're worse than me. Even when they're not. pray we see others see others as Jesus did in need of eternal life Let, let's stand and pray and just offer that up to the Lord I'm not going to ask anyone to come to the altar if you want to of course that's fine that's fine but I don't you don't need to, to run out and say yeah hey I'm the hypocrite I understand that's it's something internal. You know, let's look up. Let's look up. If, if the Lord's got to deal with that in our heart and we know it, let's talk to him and have him deal with it so that we are more like our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.
with that love and that compassion to those who need it, with the firm, the, the firmness for those who know better. Let's judge rightly and not hypocritically. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, if there's any of us that are dealing with this eye plank disease, this issue of not seeing clearly, of glossing over our own issues, our own sin, our own troubles, pointing at others. God, help us. God, help us. Lord, you stood before the everyday people and said, you're a hypocrite. God, it can happen to us. We can be that hypocrite. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would, our hearts would just be soft to you, God, to mold it and to shape it and to help us to eliminate seeing others. Help us to see ourselves first. Clear up our own troubles. And when we judge another, help us to have the attitude to help them, to care for them, not to condemn them and, and, and be vindictive, but to help them, even to the point where I'll put that man out of the church. It was to get him to repentance. And God, we know your, your word in his second letter said, receive the man back. He's repented. God, help us to have that heart. Help us to have that heart of compassion to see others as you did Jesus, especially when they need salvation and the light, that we would shine the light, not, not hide our issues. God, bless us with that. Any in here, God, any connecting online that need that help, Lord, or confessing, I just pray, God, you'd help. Help us to be sincere before you, that we'd walk uprightly, and we'd honor your word. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, we just commit our hearts to you. Bless us this week. God, give us an opportunity. Lord, give us an opportunity where we can check our eye before we point out something in another. Might be a phone call this afternoon, Lord. May we not be the one who's putting down someone else without checking our own selves, God. Help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.